Diana Hoffmeyer lived in Michigan. And recently she put something on her Facebook page that went viral. She talked about one morning how she went to a Tim Horton donut shop with her 22-month-old baby. She went with her little child, and when she got up to the counter to order, there were two women, strangers, who came in behind her. And she heard one woman say to the other woman, Wow, look at her hair. She talked her for a moment to realize they were probably talking about her. She ordered her coffee and a couple of donut holes, and then the other one said, Well, I guess even a whale has to eat. And then the other one said, Well, look, the whale needs liquid too. She ought to go back into the water. Well, the person waiting on them behind the counter was so shocked, she was embarrassed. But Diana simply looked at her and said, I'll pay for their coffee too. And so she paid for her coffee and donut and then paid for their coffee, took her coffee and donut and walked out of the shop and went and got in her car. And there she sat down and started to cry. You see, these two women had no idea that Diana had been up all night before. She had been up all night because her 22-month-old daughter was teething and would not stop crying. And that morning she had been begging for a donut and she was willing to do anything to try to get her mind off of her pain and to stop crying. She needed the coffee just to try to stay awake herself. What they also didn't know is in the last 18 months she had lost 177 pounds. And she was working so hard at becoming healthy and was doing so well. And I'm reading this and I couldn't help but think, you know, how often that's what we do. We become so critical of people. We say such insensitive, mean things and we have no idea what's going on in their life. We have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. No, we say these hurtful and mean things in text messages and emails and on Facebook. Well, she went home and she put her story on Facebook and it did go viral. So much so that in the end, a local TV reporter came out to interview Diana and simply asked her, said, why did you do what you did? Why did you buy their coffee? And Diana simply said, I want my daughter to grow up in an environment where she sees by example that in the face of meanness, we choose to do it different. We choose to be kind. This morning, I want to continue on my sermon series, It's Fun to Be Nice. For all these past weeks, we've been saying that we do live in a world that seems to become a little more unkind. A world where so many people are being angry and insensitive. You see it in emails, text messages. You see it on TV shows, political debates. It happens all the time. And so it is, we said that we're going to respond differently. As people of faith, we're going to do it different. We're going to choose to be kind. For when we choose to be kind in the face of meanness, well, that's how you share God's love and bring hope to the world. That's what we choose to do. This morning in our scripture lesson, we see Jesus being incredibly kind. I love this story. It is the story of Jesus' first miracle, and it is told only in the book of John. And you need to understand, whenever you read a scripture in John, you're not just reading 
what happened in the story, John always tries to tell you a deeper level story. There's something else going on in the story. Well, John tells you about this wedding feast in Canaan of Galilee. A wedding feast. That was a big deal in Jesus' day. You see, the wedding feast was a time when the young couple would come together and get married. And you didn't just have a ceremony. Then you had a big party. And it wasn't just a dinner. No, you partied and partied. And then you take a tour through the whole town, taking them through so everybody can wish you well. And then the party went to your house. No, you didn't go off on a honeymoon. No, everybody came to your place and the party went on for six or seven days. The people of that day didn't have a lot to celebrate. And so a wedding, that was one of the significant moments in your life. It was a celebration of life and love, and it was a big deal for everyone. And so it was. Jesus and the disciples went to the wedding feast in Canaan of Galilee. Jesus was no frowning saint. He was there for the party to celebrate life and love. Well, most scholars say that Mary, it appears, had some responsibility for all the food and drink at the party. Now, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but if you read on other Christian literature, they say that Mary was the sister of the mother of the groom. It could have been family. And she was a part of taking care of everything. And so it was that Mary suddenly saw they were going to run out of wine. Apparently, in Jesus' day, people were no better about RSVPing than they are today. More people showed up to the wedding feast than they'd planned on. And now they're running short of wine. In that day, showing hospitality was such an important thing. And so Mary comes to Jesus and says, we're running out of wine. Do something. And Jesus says, woman, what do you have to do with me? Now, Leslie D. Weatherhead was a great scholar and a preacher of another generation in England. And I liked what he had to say about this. He said, you know, in that day, woman was, was a word, a term of endearment. You start to look, Jesus addressed Mary as woman when he's on the cross. You see lots of people in that day and age, you speak to the female as woman. It's a kind, endearing word. Not like today when somebody says, woman. I don't say that to Marcia. You throw that one down, woman, you know, that's going to get you in trouble. No, Jesus was speaking in term of endearment to Mary. And in Greek, if you go back and look at it where it says, what do you have to do with me? You could also translate it, look, I will take care of it. Which would make perfect sense for Mary's next statement of, servants, do whatever he tells you. He just said, I'm going to take care of it, mom. And so it was that Jesus then turns to the servants and says, there's six clay pots by the door. They hold about 30 gallons of water each for purification rites. And he says, you fill them up to the brim. And so all of them are filled to the brim. And then it is that Jesus says, now you dip the water out and take it to the steward. And they take it to the steward. And the steward says, my goodness gracious, most people serve the best wine first. And after you've been drinking a while and your palate has become a little dull, then they serve the worst wine. You've saved the best for last. Now there's a story about Jesus at the wedding feast keeping the party going to help people celebrate life and love. 
in an extravagant, incredible way. Well, that's what happened in Canaan of Galilee. John tells the story to the early church to say, when Jesus comes into your life, that's exactly what he does again. It is God's extravagant, gracious gift of his love that is everything you need in hard times, in your dark nights. It's God's gracious gift, an extravagant gift of love. 180 gallons of wine, more than you could ever need. The very best that will lead you to a celebration of life and love. That's what he does over and over again. Today is Commitment Sunday. You and I have come to remember God's extravagant love, His extravagant gift to us all. And it's out of response to that ingratitude that we choose to be kind, to share God's love and bring hope to the world. You think about it, every time a person joins the church, and we have three to four hundred people a year join this family of faith, the last question we ask is, will you live in such a way that all that you say and all that you do will help to share God's love and bring hope to the world? We know our mission. That's what we are committed to do. I want us to think about that this morning. And there's three things that I want to be able to say. First of all, you and I share God's love by what we say. What Jesus was saying to this young couple when he found out they were about to run out of wine was, you're special. You matter. You're important. When you hear that, it does something for your soul. What we say matters. I've been reading Bob Goff again recently, and I love his book, Love Does. And he tells a wonderful story of when he was back in elementary school and he was playing in Little League. Little League Baseball. I played Little League Baseball. And he tells about how he was really a pretty good player except for catching and throwing and batting. But he said other than that, he really was pretty good. He had a hat and he had a uniform and a glove and baseball cards. He loved playing baseball. But he talked about how he was really big and everybody thought he'd be a great hitter. But he had this bad habit that every time the pitcher threw the ball, he would close his eyes and then swing. And that's a bad thing to do, to close your eyes and swing. He said, I couldn't break that habit of doing both at the same time. But so being so big, they came up with an idea. And, you know, when you're in Little League, the pitchers are kind of wild. And so they had him kind of crowd the plate and said, look, you just stand there. And you're going to get hit. And if you get hit, you get to go to first base. And so that's what he did. He went through an entire season. He didn't get a single hit, but he did get hit 17 times. So he kept getting on base by being hit. That's what he did. Well, he said they went through the season and finally they got into the playoffs. Got into the playoffs and it was in the first game and it came to the fifth inning and the game was tied. And he came to bat. He said there was a chant that went up from the stands. Hit him, hit him, hit him. <laughs> he said he took his place and boy, this pitcher was throwing. And by the time you get to the playoffs, you got pretty good pitchers with control. 
And sure enough, two pitches went by and he had strike two. And he said, I decided I was going to go down in a blaze of glory. I was going to go down swinging. And that pitcher let the ball fly and he closed his eyes and swung and he heard a thud. This was a sound he hadn't heard before. And he looked and suddenly he saw the ball traveling higher and higher and he just stood there to watch it go. Until somebody finally hollered, run! He took off for first base and watched it sail over the center field fence. A home run. His first hit of the season, a home run. And he came around and crossed home plate. He said it was like in the movies. Well, that week he... He'd gotten home from school and his mom hollered up to him that he had gotten some mail. And he, he came downstairs and there she had this big envelope for him. It was a card. He said he didn't get mail. He had never had a card before. And he opened it up and there was a big apple. The card was in the shape of an apple. And inside from Hallmark it said, you're the apple of my eye. And then in a handwritten note it said, wow. What a hit, Bob. You're a real player. Love coach. And he said, I, I read it out loud to myself again. Wow, Bob. What a hit. You're a real player. Love coach. He said that was more than 40 years ago. And when I think about my younger life, I always go back and think about that moment. I can remember it like it was yesterday because those words meant so much to me. Wow, what a hit, Bob. You're a real player. The words we speak do matter. We can speak those words that are so insensitive and critical and mean or you and I can choose to be kind. When you and I speak the words that are kind, we help to share God's love and bring hope to the world. Secondly, you and I share God's love by what we do. It's by what we do. You know, when Jesus is at this wedding, he didn't have to change water into wine. I mean, it was a couple getting married. It wasn't exactly life and death. It wasn't going to change the world. But Jesus saw some young people who were about to be humiliated, embarrassed, and he knew what it meant to them and to so many. And so he decided to put out the effort and do something. They would never forget it. You know, I love Rachel Remen. I, I try to speak to her on a regular basis. She came here to talk to St. Luke's years ago. She lives out in California. She's such a wonderful writer. And I was reading her books recently for my devotional life and I, I saw again a story that really touched my heart of when Rachel was in residency working to become a doctor. She was specializing in pediatrics. And she was at the hospital there when a young girl was brought in. She was three years old. Her name was Emmy. And said Emmy was this beautiful little girl with such a smile, just melt your heart. But Emmy had a hole in her heart. And it was very serious. And this was years ago before we could do so much like we do today. But they knew they had to have heart surgery or Emmy was going to die. And when she came in, said she was dressed so cute and she had a little medal on. It was a St. Christopher medal on her dress. It turned out a relative had gone to Rome and had that medal blessed by the Pope. 
And then they'd taken it to Lourdes and they dipped it in the water. And now she was wearing the St. Christopher medal. Well, she had to be there for several days for tests before the, the operation. And they said once she got her hospital gown, she had her little medal on her hospital gown. She wore it everywhere. Everyone knew this was a dangerous surgery. And her parents were so very anxious. They were people of faith. And they kept praying that God was going to take care of their little Emmy. Dr. Jones was their doctor. He was well known and respected. He was a great heart surgeon. And Rachel made a little mental note and thought, I need to be here when they take Emmy to surgery. I need to get that medal and hold on to it for safekeeping. But when Emmy was taken to surgery, Rachel was busy with another patient. And so it was when surgery was over, it didn't go all that well. She was taken back to ICU and it was very much touch and go. They weren't sure how it was all going to work out. Rachel found the parents and came in and they were beside the bed and they were just frantic. They said, the medal is gone. The St. Christopher medal is gone. I bet they just threw it away. And Rachel was determined she was going to try to help. So she went and found one of her friends who was training. He was a resident training to be a pediatric surgeon. And she said, they've lost the St. Christopher medal. You've got to help me find it. And, and he said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We don't care about that. She said, we don't need to go tell Dr. Jones then. We need to tell Dr. Jones. This means so much to the family. He said, Rachel, this man is so busy. We've got so many surgeries. He doesn't care. Rachel went back to her office and she sat down and she wrote a letter to Dr. Jones explaining all about the medal and about this family. And she went and she taped it on his door. She went home while he was still in surgery. The next day was her day off, but she couldn't get Emmy and the family off her mind. So in the afternoon, she came in just to see them. They were out in the waiting room and they went inside and there Emmy was laying. It was still touch and go. But when she looked at Emmy, there she saw on the bed a St. Christopher medal. And she said, I see you've gotten another one. And I said, oh, no, no, that's hers. Where did you get it? Dr. Jones brought it to us. Wow, okay. The father then spoke up and said, You know, Rachel, we're not sure whether we're going to take Emmy home or God is going to take her home. But we're finally at peace. We know she is in God's hands. It will be okay. Rachel left the ICU She went to go find her friend, and she said, what happened? He was rather sheepish. And he said, well, when we got through a surgery yesterday, we made our rounds, but before we went to ICU, Dr. Jones said, come with me. And all ten of us residents went with him to the laundry room. We went into the basement. You can only imagine how surprised the people in the basement were to see Dr. Jones walk in. And tense residents, all in surgical scrubs, we came in and we started going through the laundry from the pediatric surgeries the day before. It took us 30 minutes and we finally found her gown and there was the St. Christopher medal. And Dr. Jones took the medal and he looked at us and he said, I am training you to be great surgeons, but you need to understand we do more than take care of people's hearts. 
we take care of their souls. To be willing to put out the effort to do what you know is kind makes all the difference in the world. Jesus saw the need of a young couple. They could be humiliated, embarrassed. It wouldn't be the end of the world. He put out the effort to be kind. You don't forget that. It's when you and I choose to consciously put out effort to do something that we know would be nice. We share God's love and bring hope in the world. It's a commitment we make. And so third, you and I share God's love by what we give. What John wanted to share with the early church was, here's God's extravagant gift. An extravagant gift of His love. 180 gallons of wine, more than they could possibly need. The best that they had had. Do you understand, John said, that's what Christ does in your life. God's extravagant gift of His love and grace. It leads you to the celebration of life and love. And when you feel that, it's then you respond in gratitude and you want to bless life. It's when then we make a decision, a commitment. We're going to share God's love and bring hope to the world. You know, I think about this young couple. They'd never forget this night. I just can't help but believe for the rest of their lives, whenever they went to one of these wedding feasts, they'd be looking to see, do they have enough? Is there anything I can do? Do they have enough? When you live out of gratitude, you want to bless life. I told you last week that this week I was going to tell you about some members of our family of faith, Bill and Grace Wildy. You know, last week we had a uh, a special time when we went out to go celebrate our new playground. Our new playground is amazing. If you were here, we went out there. We had hundreds of children on our playground. That was on Sunday. Well, then on Monday, we had hundreds more with our, our child care center we have. And then on Wednesday night, we had Wednesday Night Alive, and we had Trunk or Treat, and we had hundreds of kids for hours out on the playground. It was so much fun. We have an incredible playground. And we should. It costs $600,000. When you go out to see this playground, I mean, the whole thing is a fall zone. You just fall on it, and it is so soft, and it's all new equipment and slides and swings. We've got a splash pad that is second to none. The kids will play in. I will play in. Come summertime. I mean, it's amazing. And we were able to do it because of an extravagant gift by Bill and Grace Wilding. You see, we wanted to take care of our children and do something really fun. And this is an amazing playground. And what is so special is that our child care center is now monthly making payments, if you will, gifts back to the church each month. And within seven or eight years, we will have received back $600,000. And so we'll be able to take the money again and go do something extravagant. And we'll be able to do it again. And we'll just keep on blessing life. It's the first thing we did with a part of their gift. You see, Bill and Gracie are both now in the kingdom of heaven. Gracie died about two years ago now. Bill died four months later. 
They'd been married for many years and they loved each other so very, very much. They were both in their early 90s. And you just need to know the kind of people they were. They lived out of such gratitude. Bill loved to come to the 1050 service. They always sat right back there. Uh, He was an usher in this part. Just such great people. When they finally couldn't come because of their health, they watched on TV. Every Sunday, they were there watching on TV. They'd pull up their seats in front of the television. They refused to answer the phone or the door. During that time, they were at church. You didn't disturb them then. That was worship. But they were just fun people. And I think they lived out of gratitude maybe because Bill's earlier life. You see, Bill was a B-24 bomber pilot in World War II. He was all of 21 or 22. He was the oldest man on his crew. Those young boys fighting in World War II, the missions that they flew over and over again, the fact that he survived was nothing short of a miracle. And the truth is, his entire crew came home. He brought his whole crew home safe. Not a one of them died. And for the next 70 years, whenever one of the crew would die, he would write a letter to the family saying, I want to remind you what brave man he was. What a good person he was. He wrote a letter to every family when one of his crew died. And Bill was the last one of the crew to die. You know, Gracie wanted him to be healthy. She really took care of him. And he was phenomenally healthy. I mean, this man was mowing his own yard and cutting down trees when he's 88 and 89 years old. But she didn't want him to have desserts in order to keep him healthy because Bill loved sweets. And so she said, no desserts. He said, all right, dear. And then what he did was he got a big jar of candy and went and hid it in the neighbor's garage. (laughs) And then he went to the next neighbor's in their freezer out in the garage. He put his ice cream. And so he hid candy in about a half a dozen houses and all of his friends around him and so he could have dinner. And then he always went for a walk. <laughs> and he'd go get as much candy as he wanted wherever he went. He was incredibly healthy. I'll never forget the day, though, when he called me and said, Bob, I want to go to lunch. And so we went to lunch. He and I and his stockbroker, Tom Catrone, who's a good Methodist and a very good man, And we went to lunch, and Bill said, Bob, Gracie and I have been talking, and we've decided we want to leave our entire estate to the church. They didn't have much family. They had a niece who had been kind, and and they did leave her a gift. But other than that, it was all to go to the church. Their home, the car, the money. We just want to leave everything to the church. And so from then on, about every three months, he would call and say, it's time to go to lunch. And I knew what that meant that he'd gotten a new quarterly statement and he wanted to go and show me this is how much money the church now has. And we always went to the same restaurant. It's the only restaurant Gracie would let him go to and that was Golden Corral. (laughs) So we would go to the Golden Corrals because there you could eat a nice buffet and then you could go get all the ice cream you wanted for dessert. And we always went back for seconds and always went back for thirds And I did it just to be nice to Bill. (laughs) So we would go and eat and we would look at these quarterly statements. And he said, we're just investing everything back in. Everything, we just stick it back in. So it's all going to be the churches. And I could tell. Bill taught me something over those several years when we'd go to lunch. 
And he taught me the incredible joy that he felt, that Gracie felt, in knowing that they were giving to something bigger than themselves. That their gift was going to outlast them and continue to go on and bless life and share God's love and bring hope in the world. He didn't know how we were going to spend the money. I told you Bill and Gracie had no children. And the first big thing we've done is to go build a playground that is blessing hundreds of children for years and years to come. I think they would smile. They found such joy in knowing that they were a part of something bigger than themselves that was going to bless life. You know, their whole life they'd come to understand. Be kind. It's fun to be nice. That's why you and I come together today. We come out of gratitude for God's extravagant gift of His love. And out of gratitude, you and I make a commitment, a commitment that we are going to be kind by what we say, what we do, and what we give. For when we do that, we share God's love and bring hope in the world. And what we discover is, it is fun to be nice. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer.